What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. Today we've got another interview with a future MLB star. We've had a lot of fun pumping these out lately. We recently had DJ Herz on and uh, Gabriel Rincones. And we're talking with a guy who actually spent, I imagine, quite a lot of time with them out at the Arizona Fall League. He was the breakout player of the Arizona Fall League, and uh, he recently got picked up by a new team. Oliver Dunn from the Milwaukee Brewers farm system. That sounds a little weird to me. I'm just thinking of you as a Philly. You know, it's funny. I uh, It's one of those things that hasn't really set in yet. I got a cool opportunity like about a month ago to go to driveline with some of the Brewers guys, but that's kind of the extent of my brewer experience. You know, I don't have much brewer gear yet. It's funny. It's still one of those things that I think hasn't set in for me yet either, but it's awesome. I mean, I'm really excited about it. Have you noticed any differences between the brewers organization and other organizations that you've been a part of? You know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a different experience so far for me. And, you know, I don't know how different it is from other organizations because it's my first time on the 40 man, but in my short experiences, I'll say the trip to driveline, the brewers were incredibly impressive. Like the, what they went, like how they set it up from, I mean, they just made it so easy for us to go up there and then have an enjoyable experience and pulled out all the stops to make sure we got access to the best resources and stuff. So I haven't seen you know, how other 40 man clubs do it. But in terms of overall treatment, it was a step up for sure. It was, it was really cool. It was, it was a good intro to the organization. Sweet. Well, as I mentioned, you were one of the Phillies prospects at the time playing in the Arizona fall league. So fun little story here. You don't even know about this, but in the final week of the fall league, I contacted Josh Schwamm the uh, PR guy who was setting up all the interviews for the fall league. And I was out there the whole time. I was out there all six weeks, stayed out there another two weeks after that. So I saw you play a lot. I talked to DJ out there. I talked to Rincones out there and it was like, okay, shoot, we're already at the end of the fall league. I need to start fitting all these interviews in. So I said, Hey Josh, can I talk to Oliver Dunn? He said, Oliver's leaving. He's getting married. You're not going (laughs) to talk to him. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was a busy time. I left you know, is is something, you know, you got to schedule weddings so far ahead that, you know, it's, I thought November 11th was a safe date. Like I would miss no baseball for it because <laughs> it was so far down the road. And yeah, I had to leave. I think I left the ninth. So a few days for, I mean, obviously it's my wedding. It's not, it's not, I wasn't super upset leaving. I knew something I had to do, but I, w- I did wish I would have been able to stick it out through the playoffs. <laughs> Maybe you guys would have won. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would have liked to, like to at least try to see if, see if we couldn't have done something fun. I mean, it was the fall league was such a fun experience with that group of guys that it, it felt a little incomplete, but like I said, it was, you know, it was my wedding. It was the best day of my life probably. So is what it is. So you were a member of the Scottsdale Scorpions and the Scorpions, I believe were up nine to nothing in the first inning in the semifinal game and yeah. found a way to loss. So what lose, what I'm saying is if you had been a team player, <laughs> maybe you guys would have won that game <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a crazy game i was following them as it was going on live and i saw the saw the first score and i was like oh like, let's go they're gonna move on and then you know baseball is baseball it got offensive from there of course we're kidding uh so congratulations on uh getting married 
Um, you've now been married for a little over two months. How's it been? What's it, what's it like being married? It's been awesome. You know, it's a funny story, actually. We, so that she could come with me this last season, we actually got kind of like courthouse married on Valentine's Day in 2020, like last year. So almost a full year ago. So we've been married for a while. This was kind of more formality for our friends and family to come together and have a day. But it's been awesome. I think, you know, I can't overstate how important her influence in my life has been and just, you know, having her on the road, being able to get away from the field, like have my best friend with me. It's been awesome. You know, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. Like the growing up process has been fun and looking forward to how it keeps going for sure. So how'd you guys meet? We just met at school. We, it was kind of interesting. We, so she went to Utah and I went to Utah, but we, we didn't meet. Well, we kind of crossed paths while I was still there, but real briefly. And then over 2020, just through some mutual friends happened to cross paths again when nothing was going on and it kind of just took off from there. Awesome. Well, congratulations again. It's really cool that you guys have been together for so long. Uh, you mentioned going to uh, University of Utah. I know you grew up in Utah, Salt Lake City yep. area guy. What's the baseball scene like growing up in Utah? You know, growing up, it wasn't, it's definitely not a hotbed. And when I was younger, it was still kind of in the process of like, it's, it's definitely more of a basketball state and some other things, you know, that's the one pro team we have here in the jazz. It's, it's definitely heavy that way, but you know, I, I think it's kind of sneaky growing. There's a, there's a handful of guys now that are in the minor leagues, like upper level guys that it's growing. It's, it's interesting. You got to work around the cold for sure. Um, but so many places do. And I think especially recently, like as I've grown up, the state's gotten like, there's a lot more resources to really be able to continue improving your game over the winter, which is, I mean, all you can ask for. So obviously a big change coming in Pac-12. Utah yeah. leaves the Pac-12, goes over the Big 12. What, what, what were your initial thoughts and have they changed at all since then? Um, you know, I think I'm definitely excited for the university. I know it's good financially in, t in terms of, you know, media coverage and stuff. It, it, it's a little... I'm a little sad about it still. Like, I, w I was a big fan of the Pac-12 conference. I just think it was such a unique conference that, you know, with the Stanfords and the Cals and the super high-end UCLA's, like the super high-end schools that also happen to always perform really well at baseball, I thought was kind of a cool thing, like, like culture to kind of the, the conference. And I think a lot of the road trips are really cool. You know, Oregon state always was such a crazy atmosphere for the, for the PAC 12. And I mean, I, I loved pretty much everywhere in there, the Arizona schools. So I'm glad the university was one of the schools that didn't get stuck without a conference. Like I'm glad they had to move on, but I wish, you know, I probably wish it would have stayed together, but it happened. So I, I, it'll be good for the university. I think long-term, I think it'll be good exposure wise and recruiting wise. It should help. So I'm excited for them. I feel like Utah is one of the winners of the conference realignment. Cause if you think about it, team by team, some of those teams on the Pac-12, hey, you know what? It might make them more money, but to all come all the way to the Midwest all the time to play their non-football sports, that's going to be tough. Utah is in a is regionally close to a lot of those teams. Yeah, there it's going to be a better conference for especially basketball. Basketball is going to be amazing with Arizona. So fun. In. 
Houston just came in. Oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome. But then I think the other thing that will be cool is to have Utah and BYU playing the same conference. That will be awesome. That game, that game I've definitely have facing, always facing BYU on Tuesday games and stuff was, it was always fun. The fans always got up and went for it, but like you never saw, we never got to see BYU's ace and they never saw ours. Like I think that'll be awesome on the baseball side and it'll be good football wise. Again, those are the most fun football games every year and we haven't been able to play them for a couple of years. So that'll be, it'll be fun to get that rivalry back for sure. For those who don't know, BYU does not play games on Sundays. That's correct, right? It's no. just Sundays? Correct. Yeah, no, anything but Sundays. So it's a, it's a Sabbath for Mormons. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They don't play games on Sundays. So um, anyway, yeah, so they've had to kind of – all you guys would always play them on a Tuesday or whatever. But like you're saying, you know, they're lining up their rotation. They're probably playing like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or maybe a Friday, Saturday, Monday – uh, so you guys weren't ever seeing their, you know, their ace. No, and 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 they had some great players. I mean, they had great position players too. BYU's always been, you know, one of those like sneaky good baseball programs that that had guys that were really good players. And you know, it's a team that probably doesn't get tons of coverage being called Weather State in that conference. But they were always really good. They've had really good players, and I always wish we could see some of their top arms, but ha- didn't get to happen. But it will now. Well, you guys will also get to play my Horn Frogs. That's that's your school, TCU. So I went to Valpo, Valparaiso University, Northwest Indiana. But my sister okay. went to TCU, so I've been to TCU baseball. It is awesome. I saw them play Incredible. Texas a few years back. Yeah, they. Uh, so Braden Taylor, actually, their first rounder out of there this last year is from. I, I've known Braden since we were both little. We over oh, no even way. just yeah recently Christmas break he was back. Because he stays at TCU, they do a great job of bringing their pro guys back in and keeping them kind of ingrained in that in that culture, which I think is awesome. But yeah, it's it. He can't speak any higher of TCU. I mean, he absolutely loved his time there. Obviously, he was successful first round. I mean, he's an he's an incredible hitter, but he's an incredible player. Period. But it was cool to, you know, I found myself rooting for them while he was there for sure, and that they're really good. Yeah, he was a phenomenal college player. Excited for him in the next chapter. I got to see him no play doubt. in Omaha last year. We made the trip. I, uh, I, I talked to him about, I was watching, so I didn't get to watch a ton of the games, obviously, because we were playing, but I was able to watch the one where the season ended for them. And he hit that ball to center on the oh screws. He hit that ball so well. We thought well. it was gone. Yeah, Me too. I jumped up. I couldn't believe it didn't get out of there. I mean, I was talking to him. I think he hit it like 110 miles an hour or something. Like, I don't know how it didn't go out, but. Yeah, it's baseball, but it was, it was a fun thing to follow. And I'm, you know, it's, it's been cool. Like I was saying, part of the growing Utah community, he's a huge part of it. I think that's, I'm obviously going to miss some, but I, I can't think of any recent first rounders that were born and raised here. So I, I think that was, he's playing a big part in kind of helping grow Utah baseball. And so I'm obviously rooting for him, just like all the other guys from here. Is there any hope for an expansion team? A major you know, league team coming to Salt Lake City. You know, it's funny. I, I've been hearing a lot about it recently, actually. I know that there are rumors that the A's in their kind of transition period will come and play here. And I think that'll be rumors. There's a lot of other locations that they're they're looking at, but I know Salt Lake's one of them. And I, I hope it happens because I think, you know, it's Salt Lake's growing like crazy. And I think there's enough of a want for a baseball team here. 
And I hope, so I hope the A's come here. I know that they're in the conversation of being an expansion team location. I think if the A's came here and they were able to show well and get fans at games and show that, you know, Utah cares about the game of baseball in that sense, like they're going to be a good enough fans to make it worth it. I would love to see it happen. I think it would be, I think it would be a cool place to have it. I think, you know, in the mountain time zone, it'd be, it'd be good to have another team outside of the Rockies. So I hope so. I think it'd be great for the state baseball scene. And it would just be fun to have a team like a, like a hometown team. You think it would do well? It would draw well? I think so. I think I'm curious to see in like what, how it would compare to like, it obviously is not going to be a big market, like the big cities, but I do think that there would be enough of a desire that it would be good. And like, I don't know. That's why I want the A's to come here and kind of see how it goes. I think so. But you never know. Just like I said, it is a basketball state, so we'll see how. Like I know the bees don't draw great all the time, but they're moving stadiums, which I think will be huge for their attendance. Just different part of the state that baseball is a little more common in that part of the valley. We'll see. I really hope so. I think so. My gut tells me yes, but that's something I think you know the people that make those decisions know know a lot a lot more about how to tell than I do. Growing up in you know high school, college, did you pay any attention to the bees? Did you follow them? Probably not as much as I should have. I, I think you know when you're a little kid, it's oh, it's not the big league, so you don't follow it super close. Obviously, they're incredible players, so I wish I would have. But I definitely went to a handful of games. Nothing crazy. I know that I went to one of the like twelve games Mike Trout spent in AAA, which was awesome. I mean, there was so much publicity there, and he ended up being you know, Mike Trout, which was cool. But outside, outside of that, I didn't follow it too closely. I kind of followed the college baseball scene a little closer just because I had seen some, some of the guys that like went to high schools in the areas I live by, go to college and play. So I was, I was more of a fan of that than the bees, but you know, like I said, I was a huge fan of baseball still am, but at the time I followed a little bit of it. So are you still, do you still follow college baseball pretty closely? You know, I did last year. I because my brother, I have, I have a brother who just got drafted by the Twins this last year, and who who went to Arizona State. So when he was in college, well, Florida State and Arizona State. But when he was in college, I followed that kind of closely. Like I would follow the Utes and see what they were doing, and then his team. So it wasn't super deep. Like I, you know, you'd see the see the headlines on Instagram or like online or whatever of the guys doing crazy stuff. But for the most part, it was just like ASU and FSU and Utah, kind of what they were doing. Very cool. So let's talk a little fall league. You had a fantastic fall league. I think you put yourself on a lot of people's radars. Now, admittedly, I'm not some prospect guru. I'm not Jim Callis. Jim Callis is another friend of mine. Jim does a great job. Or, you know, Jonathan Mayo, Sam Dykstra. I'm not those guys. Maybe I will be someday, but... I don't follow, I have not followed in the past minor league baseball as closely as now I think I will, especially after spending a year at the Fall League. But you came into the Fall League, you are not a top 30 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Mm-hmm. You had a phenomenal Fall League. Actually, I kind of feel like there were two other guys that you, it was like three middle infielders that all kind of had similar uh, breakouts at the Fall League that were interesting. Um See if you even know who I'm thinking of, but um, how'd you enjoy it? What'd you think? How how was that experience for you? 
I, yeah, it was incredible. I, I tell people when they ask, like it was some of the most just like fun I'd have playing the game again in a long time. Just something about the kind of atmosphere of a bunch of guys you don't know playing in like important games, like in big league uniforms. I mean, I obviously playing well was part of what made it so fun, but it was just a great league, like meeting so many new guys playing against such good players all around the board. I mean, they, they do a, a great job of making it super competitive and the travel's awesome playing in the big league stadiums. I mean, it's, I, I was a huge fan. I was glad I got to go. I almost didn't. I, I didn't know I was going until like eight days before it started, like eight days before I had to be down there. I, I, I was hoping towards the end of the year when I was in Reading that I was going to get to go. My agent was saying, maybe, you know, we're, they're, they're trying to get you in. We're seeing how it was going to work. And I hadn't heard anything through the end of the year. So I was like, ah, well, you know, I guess not kind of hit off season mode as I was driving back, thought I was done. And I was actually getting fitted for my suit when Preston Mattingly called me. He's like, Hey, do you still want to go? I was like, absolutely. I jumped at the opportunity and I was glad I got to do it. And it ended up being, you know, more than I had hoped for. It was, a, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was an awesome experience. It was so much fun to have baseball every day. It was very laid back. Um, you mentioned the uniforms though. That was one of my low key favorite underrated things about the fall league is it's like an all-star game, the way that it's all really you guys cool. wear your team's uniforms. And I, I honestly don't even think they do it in Major League All-Star game anymore. I know they've changed it quite a bit. Nowadays, they used to have in the old All-Star game, you'd always wear your team's uniform. And then yep. the home run derby or batting practice, you wear like a National League uniform yep. that's maybe modeled after that team's uh, colors, the home team that's hosting the All-Star game, their colors. Um, and they can sell those all-star game jerseys. Although I never see anyone wearing those all-star game jerseys. Like, I never, Me I would never, but yeah, they've gotten now, now they're playing the game with those all-star game jerseys. And again, they probably want to sell those, but aesthetically, I think it looks like a, a watercolor painting to have all of these awesome different uniforms playing on that same field together. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I loved it. And now in the big leagues, they obviously they're big league all-stars. They're, you know, they're getting to wear the uniform every day. So for them, I'm sure yeah. it's just cool to be in the game. But in the fall league, I thought it was awesome too, just to like, you know, for the first time in my career, other than outside of spring training, you know, I'm like, I'm wearing Phillies on my jersey and I get to see my name on the back. And I think it's just a cool touch to kind of, it's like a little, little motivation and also it's just cool. You know, like Phillies with your name on the back, it gives you kind of some pride and like, I get to play in this big league uniform. And it was, I really enjoyed the experience. You know, I know I have my, my Jersey from the fall. We got to take one home and I, I have my Phillies Jersey from that. And I plan on, you know, hanging it up somewhere at some point, just, it's just a cool experience to kind of let you know you're close, but also kind of motivate you to actually get there. Well, I think it's cool because for those who are listening and don't know, they take each team sends eight players, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then there are five or sorry, there are uh, six fall league teams. And on each fall league team there, those fall league teams are made up of five major league uh, prospects that they're sending over there. Eight per team, 40 guys per roster. Now some guys leave early like yeah. Oliver did. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Oliver was there up until like the last few days. I'm just giving him a hard time about it. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like, uh, and so what's what I think it's cool for the fans is if you're a Phillies fan, it's like, okay, oh, stop what we're doing. Stop what we're doing if we're at this game. Here comes one of the Phillies guys. We got to watch this guy. Is this yeah. Kroon? Is this Rincones? Is this done? Like, who is this? Um, I mean, you would know, but it's like you're just, you're getting, you see the uniform, the guy stepping up into the box, you see a guy warming up in the pen, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's one of our guys. Let's, let's see how he does. No doubt. There was, it was cool to see in that sense, there was a lot of fans that, you know, these are huge baseball fans if they're coming to the Fall League because it's, it's just prospects. Like these people are diehard for the team they cheer for. And it was cool to see. I mean, you see, people show up in Cardinals gear that are diehard Cardinals fans that are like wanting to see Victor play or to co all these guys, Cardinal studs. And they, they want to see those guys play. And so it was a cool atmosphere in that, like, you know, you get those diehard Philly fans that know who all the Phillies guys are and are saying hi to you as you walk in to go stretch. And that part of it was awesome because it just like, it just like part of making it feel like, Oh wow. You know, these Phillies fans are here cheering on some Phillies guys. Obviously they want us to win, but, they know who you are and they're cheering you on. And it's a cool experience just to be noticed in Philly stuff. Now I mentioned there were three of you guys that I thought were like the, the breakout stars of the fall league, all middle infielders and a little bit similar in some ways in terms of how you guys were just spraying the ball all over the field. Do you know who I'm thinking of the other two? I James Triantos would be one of the two. I would think I, the second yep. one, I I wouldn't be sure. Uh, another one, another middle infielder. I mean, Colson Montgomery maybe, but I don't know that he's necessarily a breakout because he was always such no, a big star. Yeah, yeah, he's like a top 20. I mean, he's another incredible. guy. Yeah, another guy who I don't think was a top 30 coming in. Now, Trianos was not. He is a top 30, but yeah. uh, Caleb Durbin was the other one. Oh, stud. A, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I should have known that. Caleb's awesome. He had an incredible fall league. I mean, he's a he's an incredible player. He had a great year too. He's from my area here, actually. Oh, is he? Uh, Northern suburb of Chicago. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. I I missed him because I was with the Yankees before the Phillies, so I I missed him. I never got to meet him, but you know, just playing against him and stuff. He's he's a great dude, and he's an electric baseball player. Like he's stealing bases, hitting like hitting doubles and homers. He's him and Triantos. Triantos and I actually, we, we have the same agency. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, they post stuff about him. I didn't know who he was. And then we play against him. And I'm not sure we got him out more than a couple times the entire fall Stunned. league. Yeah. Oh, oh man. He can, he can, he can swing the bat, man. Yeah. And Triantos, like, if we're just going off the prospect ranking stuff, like he was already a top 10 prospect, I think, in the Cubs system. So it wasn't like, but he wasn't a, top 100 you know and yeah. he i think his stock all three of you guys stock went up quite a bit you just cracked the top 30 prospects so congrats on that thank you yeah that, that was cool i i i didn't even think about it when it happened but i remember <laughs> that a few days later my cousin sent me the updated prospect list and i was on it i was like that's pretty cool you know it's a, i'd never been on one so like obviously it's it's a prospect list you know you, you want to be in the big leagues where that's not a thing anymore but it's definitely cool to kind of get some recognition for the work I've put in. Do you pay any attention to that stuff? Um, I try not to, I think you could kind of regardless of where I'm ranked. I, I try to not let it change 
you know, how I go about my business, how I play the game. Like I always want to play the game to me. Like, you know, I was, I was Mr. Irrelevant to the rule five to the Phillies. And that's kind of like, I try to always play that way, you know, like playing like a guy, like my back's against the wall. I want to run every 90 as hard as I can. So I try not to buy too much into it just because I try to align kind of my identity as a player more in that way. But it is awesome. Like also at the same time I see it and it's awesome to kind of get recognized for good playing. So a little, but I try not to put too much stock into it. Yeah, and I think the prospect rankings are fun, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Throw this out there. JP France is actually the first minor leaguer that I ever had on this show, or first active player I've ever had on this show. I had him on a year ago. He was never at any point a top thirty prospect on MLB.com. Look at stud. the year that he just had. Yeah, stud. So. Incredible player. Like you said, the prospect rankings they do. The, the people, like you were saying, the calluses, and they do a great job. They, they do, yes. They do. They're great at identifying cream of the crop great players. But it's not like at the same time it is a prospect list. You know, it's like there's still another level that you have to go prove it at. So just because you're at one point, like people are at just different points of their career. So just because you're not there now doesn't mean you can't be. And just because you are doesn't mean you will be forever. So like I said, it's something that's cool and it's fun for fans and it's awesome to get recognized, but it is something that's still, you know, it's not the end goal. I imagine you took more pride in winning the breakout player of the year award, the fall league. Yeah, definitely. I, it was cool. I, I, you know, I found out my manager texted me the day of my wedding, actually Marty. And <laughs> it, it, it was just awesome because, you know, I came down it was like there a and Saturday, initially, right? Yeah. 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 It was Saturday morning. And so I'm like, I'm getting dressed and ready for my wedding. And I got that text. I'm like, wow, what a day to like, just an awesome day to get the award. You know, it was like already such a good day and added on top. And I, it was cool because I, um, I, I, I originally too, wasn't even like they were doing a, because I was such a late ad, I wasn't supposed to be technically on the full-time roster. It was supposed to be like, I would play one day and then be on some active roster, like unable to play for the next couple of days. And so I was just, you know, it, that changed pretty quickly. I think like I'll shout out Marty here. He's the man. I love playing for him. And he helped me a lot. Like he, he saw that I was playing well and kind of was like, you know, I know the rules, but I don't care. I'm just going to play you. And which was, I mean, obviously it was the break that I needed. Like if I wasn't going to play, I wasn't going to win a breakout or even get attention of other teams and stuff. So I was really just grateful to even be there and playing, which I felt like is part of why, you know, it was easy to have fun. Cause it just felt like, Oh man, I'm just like excited to be here and show what I can do. And kind of gave me that chip on my shoulder of like, you know, I came here, not on the roster. Like I'm going to get on the roster and show people what I can do and play the game the right way. And so it was, it was something I, it's definitely one of, it's probably the, the accolade I'm most proud of in my professional career so far. You know, I, I haven't had a ton. There's not of like, I haven't won a lot of awards. So it was cool to get recognized that way. And it was, I didn't expect it at all. So that, that made it even better. You mentioned something very interesting there. So you say that uh, there are rules in place with the fall league and you ended up playing more than you anticipated to play. Can you explain that a little better? Yeah. So I, um, like you were saying, when you were outlining the, the details of how many guys are on the teams, 
there, I was what was considered a reserve technically. I was down there and on the team, but the way it worked, like I was technically only supposed to be able to play. It was, it was from what I understood, it was supposed to be, I was not on any roster. So uneligible to go into the game, regardless of injury. The second day would be, I was only able to go in if somebody got injured. And then the third day I would start. And then that would kind of cycle off that way. So I was only theoretically going to be able to play every third day. And so I'm not sure how strict the rules are. Like I said, I, I, cause that didn't stick for very long, but I know that going down, that was the initial plan on how I was supposed to be playing. And I, you know, I never really asked Marty why that changed so quick. I let him know I was thankful for it, but I just knew part of it too, is it was good. I think gave me a little bit of urgency in the sense of like, you know, if I'm only going to play every third day or everything, like I got to be dialed in when I get in there. Like I, I'm only going to get a certain, you know, select amount of chances. And I understood that, you know, it's, I can't pout about it. Like I, I was there already. Like I got to maximize the opportunities I was given and it ended up being more, which was awesome. But it's just, a, yeah, it was a good way to start it. I think it kind of helped put some fire there. It get you like get me going back after a long season, and I, I like those kind of. I, I I usually do better when I have a little bit of like a like something that kind of upsets me enough to like really motivate me, and that was what that was. So the chip on your shoulder kind of deal. I yeah, I w- I would say I. Pl- I I try to not get, let it to get too out of hand, play super emotional. Cause usually I'm better when I'm like kind of like a calm chip on my shoulder, but it, it absolutely was a good motivator for me to like, make sure I was showing up ready to go every day. That's really cool. So it sounds like it was kind of like a, Hey, Hey buddy, don't get your hopes up too high. You're going to play every third day. You'll get in there. It's kind of like, it sounds like there's like an A B C team for lack of a better word. And you were on the A team by like, probably like two weeks in two weeks in. Yeah. It happened pretty quick. And that part was awesome. And, and it was awesome too, that it happened without anybody getting hurt because that's what I was told yeah. initially is that like, you know, you'll get more playing time if somebody has to go early. And obviously you never like I could, even though I wanted to play more, that's not something I could ever hope to happen. And so I was glad that, the rules weren't as strict as they maybe initially seemed that I was able to get in there with everybody staying healthy. So really not that long after you got married, you got traded. Did that come as a surprise? Totally actually. So I was, I was on my honeymoon at the time we had just left. It was the first, it was the first morning and you know, I, I was aware of what was going on. I knew, I knew the rule five was coming up and I knew I was eligible for it. I knew that I had, you know, kind of put my best foot forward in the sense to make something happen. But I, you know, I knew, I I knew the Phillies weren't putting me on the roster the night before and there was no other news about being traded. So I figured like when I went to bed that night, I was like, okay, you know, like the rule five will happen and however it goes, it goes. And I woke up. Well, so my phone, I was on my nightstand. It's five in the morning because Hawaii is way back from the East Coast time, and it starts going off. And I pick it up, and it's a it's the farm director's Preston Mattingly, and I like put the phone down. And I was like, okay, 
I was like, I let it ring. I'm like, I got to wake up a little bit because this is probably important. So I like got up and then called him back. And he was just telling me that he was like, Hey, you know, we really like you. We appreciate the time, you know, in our organization, but we traded you to the Brewers. And it was awesome. I mean, it was great news. Obviously, I, it was cool. It happened on my honeymoon too, because it was just like, like I said, it was another, it's like another good news while, you know, you're on your honeymoon. So it's good anyway. So you're excited about this. It sounds like it was, this is something where it's like, man, you know, you're probably looking at Philly and like, man, it's going to be tough to, to get up with the middle infielders they have. You can no the doors. It's like, Hey, you know, I could, I might make the team out of spring training. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you like, I love the Phillies. I always love the Phillies because they, like you never know what would have happened, but in the way I view it kind of rescued my career. I think with the Yankees and the depth they had and how I had gotten off to kind of a slow start with them and just where I was at organizationally, it didn't look great for me career wise. And so, you know, being Mr. Irrelevant of the rule five, like them getting me out of there. And then, and then the things they they let me play every day. Like it's something I had to earn, but like they were saying like, it's the ball is in your court. Like if you do your thing, you'll play every day, which is all you can ask for. And so I love the Phillies. I loved my time there, but you're right. I mean, they're loaded. They like, like that team is so good. I mean, even not even just with Bryson and Trey Turner and Alec Bohm at the positions I play in the outfield loaded, but then even you look at like the bench roles are incredible players. And like Weston Wilson was in AAA most of the year and he 30, 30, like everybody that Cody Clemens was an incredible, like tore up AAA played good in the big league. So it's like, it's just, they're so deep that opportunity wise, like no, there's not always something you can do. There's, there's, there's some like baseball is not a lucky game, but there is some luck to opportunity. And in that situation, it was, I mean, they're an, they're an incredible team. They went to the NLCS, like that's, they're full. And so it's definitely good for my career. Obviously the Brewers have incredible players too. I, it's not like it's, oh, it's way easy over here versus the Phillies. No, 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 no. But there is, there is like the ball I feel like is in my court. Like if I go out and play my game and do it well, that there aren't as many roadblocks to getting there as there would be with the Phillies. No, yeah, certainly. It's just it's more about of a positional thing. Like if you yeah. were a if you were a pitcher and you're coming up through the Brewer system, you'd be like, oh, oh, that's tough. Yeah, that staff's impressive, <laughs> man. That is it. That is it. You know, I didn't know a lot about it. I I knew that their staff was good, but like I said, I hadn't followed super closely outside of a few teams. And then when I got traded, I started like I follow I followed them on Instagram and started seeing some things. I'm like, I, this I'm not sure if this is accurate but I want to say they led in K's per nine in the big leagues last year. I mean, they're just, the staff's incredible. So you're right. That's, that's a tougher, like that's a tough proposition as a minor league pitcher with them. Yeah. Part of it is just fit in terms of like, I mean, I've seen it as a spectator, never been in your position, but amazing, incredible prospects who it's like, man, if they don't get traded, they're never going to get that chance because of what is their, at that position. And it's just really interesting how teams, organizations, depth really differs from team to team. Absolutely. And that's like I say, when people ask me, you know, is it there's, there's baseball, like I said, is not a lucky game, but there is some luck to opportunity. Like there's, there's so many good players that, you know, it's just, sometimes there's just not room and it's part of it. And I think it's something as a baseball player, you've got to accept that like 
when those situations arise, if there's nothing you like, you still just got to play your game regardless of where it is. Because like you said, there's only, you know, they, they carry 13 position players in the big leagues. Like there's, they got hundreds of guys vying for those 13 spots. Like if they have a Trey Turner or a Bryson Stott in the middle infield, it's like, eh. you got to, that you play for all 30 teams. Like you got to understand, you got to, you got to stay focused because you do play for all 30. And even if it's not the Phillies, it's, it can be somebody else. Like in my situation. So you're now with the Brewers and as great as it would be to start the season in the big leagues, you could get the opportunity to live in Nashville for a little bit. That'd be <laughs> kind of fun. Absolutely. You know, I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those situations, obviously you want to get to the big leagues as soon as possible, but it's, you know, it's in Nashville for, for minor league cities. That's as good as it gets. Again. Yeah. I looking at it, I was like, wow, that's, that's a cool spot for AAA. It's it, that's the, that'll be the first like decent sized city I've played in, in the minor leagues. Cause the East coast, there's a lot of like smaller baseball towns that love the teams. Whereas Nashville is just a big city. Nashville's an amazing city too. I was there for the winter meetings and oh my gosh, we had such a fun time. There was a Lance Brzezdowski. Give him a shout out here. Lance is over at the Cubs TV network. Uh, he's on air talent, has a great YouTube channel, does a lot of prospect stuff. Lance, a good friend of mine. We were talking, we're like, we want to get out to the winter meetings, uh, on the cheap. So Lance had the idea, let's get an Airbnb. If we get a house of like six guys, it will only be $140 per person for four nights in Nashville. Like that sounds great. So we were trying to find people to live in this house with us. We ended up like striking out on that so lance put it out on twitter and said who wants to go to the winter meetings we got this house lance has about twenty thousand instagram followers oh wow so we ended up living with four guys who are fans of lance's uh who are all like <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> they're all they're all like either in college or just graduated from college and they're all trying to work in the industry we got uh, you know a couple guys on the media side one who's in coaching couple who are trying to get in the front office thing it was like a season of the real world. It was just like six strangers That's awesome. picked to live in a house in Nashville. And then one night we ended up going over to Broadway street together. And it was, it was an amazing time. So can't say enough great things about Nashville. That's super fun. Sorry. My dog's barking in the back, but that's, that's cool, man. I, like it's just, I bet it was fun too. Everybody's kind of like trying to do the same thing, like advance in yeah. baseball and everybody knew this. I love experience like that. That sounds like a ton of fun. It was a little bit like the college dorm room. So like I, I yeah. had just, I just got a Nintendo switch right before going out there. So we oh, played right Mario on. Kart and Mario party and Lance and I played the show one game and so we're playing video games or watching sports or talking about sports. And really we didn't spend that much time at the Airbnb. We were at the hotel for most of the time, just like, yeah. you know, doing winter meeting stuff, you know, networking, yep. talking to people, seeing friends. Um, meeting with sources so um but nashville i'm going back uh in a month for a couple days i definitely have been craving hattie b's i don't know if you've ever been to nashville before but i have not great chicken place great perfect i'll uh i'll have to ask you for some recommendations (laughs) (laughs) i can i can hook you up i got some friends out there i can introduce you to uh but it's a it's a great place so if you aren't on the big league 
roster at the start of the season, you'll have a, a nice home in Nashville, hopefully, yeah, uh, no at doubt. the start of the season. So that's exciting. Um, all right, speaking of Fall League, who were you most impressed by in terms of pitchers? We'll start with pitchers first. Guys, I'll give, let's say uh, one guy that you faced okay. and then another guy that you were just kind of teammates with or you, maybe you didn't face him, but you got to watch him quite a bit. Wow. Um, you can name more than one. You don't have to just say one. Yeah, no, there were, I mean, there were so many good pitchers. I, not because he didn't stand out in my mind. I can't, there was a lefty with the White Sox, a reliever. And I mean, I, I'm going to have I know a hard who you're time talking about. He throws absolute gas. I remember like my bats against him were battles. I mean, he was, what was his name? I'll pull in it up. Of, Don't worry. In terms of just like pure raw stuff, that was one of the best I've ever faced. I mean, lefty. I, he was high nines, hard slider. What was his name? Um, oh, it was Glendale. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Glendale. Pull up their roster. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, they had. They were really good pitching wise. I think. Ricky Ricky Tiedemann was in the league. I know. I I yeah. hadn't faced him. I didn't face him in the fall league but I faced him in Reading actually he it went pretty viral because you know it was really impressive he struck out all 11 outs one day he made and that we faced him that day and that was that was about the best I've faced that I mean he is that's a tough ab those are those are those fun ones like you really got to like you got to be ready to go because that stuff is impressive was that the game at Goodyear, the triple header? No, no, no. So I faced him in in season with the Phillies. He oh, yeah, he threw that day. But that day we played, um, we played Peoria that day. Okay, so different game. Uh, yeah, because that triple header was fun for me. It's like okay, oh, I'm just awesome. camp out. And I'm just gonna watch all these guys play in the same spot. I don't have to make the decision of like who am I going to see tonight. It's like nope, yeah. they're they're all there. I'm just going to go see them. Um, Jake Eater, I think, is who you're talking about. Really good lefty was, from the White Sox, number fifty. Yeah, really good. I six was, four. Was he a starter? And my Eater uh, might have been the starter. He was great too. But the guy I'm thinking of, I think, is a reliever. Was there another? Oh, uh, Fraser Ellard. Yes. Yes, that, that's who I'm that, thinking of. Yeah. That stuff was good. I mean, that, there were so many good good guys, but just that left-on-left power matchup, like his power arm from the left side, was that was that was a fun one. Ellard from Roswell, Georgia, six foot four, two hundred five pounds. That sounds like him. Yeah, he is. He was good, man. And then guys on our team that we played with. I mean, we had a lot of good arms. I think. The guy we mentioned earlier, Tacoa, was fun to watch. I mean, man, when he was when he was locating, I mean, he was in a, he's a high nines guy. I mean, that is just pure power. He was fun to play behind. I think you know some of my Philly teammates like Christian McGowan, Dom Hipkin, like some of those guys, other guys like uh, Baker was had such like that. It was so fun to play behind him there because you know in in the season he I think he would admit that like his command didn't quite click and he was kind of like trying to do a bunch of different things. And in the fall league, something really clicked for him. He was throwing strikes. I mean, he's a, he's a 98 to one one arm. So he was, he was awesome to play behind. He was throwing slider really well. He's throwing a split that he had just started throwing. That was really good. So 
that was awesome to see. And I, like I said, I root for the Philly guys. They were all, they all threw really well. I think the Phillies had a great showing in that fall league. Like with Gabe, the guy you interviewed earlier, he was, he was incredible there. That was my first experience with him. So it was, I mean, it was awesome. I, there were so many good arms. That's, that's what kind of makes it so fun. It's hard to narrow them down. I know I'm missing a bunch, but. How about bats? Who impressed you the most hitter wise? James Triantos was up there. I mean, that dude, I, I, we did not get him out. Like he had three hits against us every time he was super impressive. Caleb Durbin, like you said, killed us. Um, Colson Montgomery was he like he killed us when we played him. Obviously, he impresses a lot of people. He's really high on list. But that homer he hit in the Fall Stars game, it's oh, not. It, it doesn't make it a bigger deal to me necessarily that he did it in the Fall Stars game. I mean, it's awesome to hit it in a national televised game. But that at bat he had, dude, I was at second base, like power lefty. I think it was cop with the Dodgers, power lefty, hard curveball, like tough AB battle and two strikes, and hit a high nineties fastball off the plate in to right center. I was like. Phew that's that's pretty special he smoked that thing and you mentioned triantos i was so impressed with james and also interviewing him too i mean i have not had him on this show he's welcome on anytime i'd love to have you james but james i did an interview with for sports illustrated and he was i was very impressed with his uh demeanor his calmness and his confidence too like he is a he's a coffee confident kid but he's not a cocky kid like he's yeah. a confident kid who handles himself very well um seems way more mature than 20 years old so i had no clue he was 20 i i i knew he was younger but so we had a we had a night where part of the fall league our agents had a house and had everybody over and we were talking and i was talking to one of the agents and he, he said something like Oh yeah, and you know he can't even legally drink yet. And I was like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, I mean, he's not even 21. I had no clue he was 20. Just playing against him, you like his composure, things that we had no idea. And so that I think that obviously on top of just playing really well is what made it so much more impressive. Is I'm like I was a sophomore in college at that age, and so he he's special. The Cubs, the Cubs have a special player there. He finished high school a year early. And oh, he's telling me about how when he's a senior or what should have been his junior year of high school, I guess that year uh, he graduated a year early. The Washington Nationals had a COVID outbreak and they needed to place the guys who were healthy needed a place to train. So guys were training at his house. Kyle Schwarber is hitting at the cages wow. at his house, and like he's telling me all this. And he's just so calm and cool and just like, yeah. And he, he's saying, like, obviously he's saying, like, this is really cool and I'm taking stuff from them and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't seem like a, like, he seemed like a 28-year-old, the way he was talking about it. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't phased by it. So, I, I don't know. I think that kid is going to be a star. I and agree. he said, I asked him, I said, is there a guy that you modeled your game after? Or, you know, took some things from who's your favorite player. And he said, Dustin Pedroia. I was like, I could totally see this kid being baseball's Dustin Pedroia for the next 15 years. That would be awesome. That's, that's a good comp too. I mean, Dustin, I think a lot, like I'm kind of in the same boat, undersized guys that play in the middle of the infield, kind of some, I, I think growing up, that was someone, a lot of 
people looked up to i'm the same way i think that like the energy he played with is something that i try to make sure i play the game with as well it's it's he's one of my he's probably my favorite player to ever watch just for those reasons like that chip he plays that fire it's that's funny you said that i think so maybe maybe you're the dustin pedroia for the next 15 years then hey i you know i (laughs) I, there are things about his game i absolutely want to model i i think he played the game the right way all the time and that's i think most important part for me I think Durbin may have said the same thing too about Pedroia. So like you, the under, undersized you guys, guys at like, second base. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, that, that's, that's the guy. Like if you're undersized guy that play middle of the infield, that's the guy I think everybody was a huge fan of. So you've played a little bit of, I saw in your baseball reference now, admittedly I wasn't watching, uh, but it's, it says on there that you're a second baseman, third baseman and left fielder. So you mm-hmm. saw some run at some other positions. How'd you like those other positions? Do you have a preference of where you would like to primarily play? Um, definitely no preference. I think I I'm most comfortable at second base just purely because of game reps through college and pro ball, but I definitely not a preference. I think, you know, I kind of pride myself on being able to pick those things up quick and at least, you know, I just want to be in the lineup and do what I can do to help win. So wherever that ends up being, I'm like totally cool with. I do enjoy third. I think I played it a lot in high school. And I think something that kind of gets missed is I, I have some arm strength. I never get to show off at second base. And so that part of third base kind of intrigues me in that like, okay, that might, you know, make that tool something I can use there. And then I run well. So like the outfield is like, if they need me to go out there too, I'd like to think that with some reps that I can get routes good enough to be, a professional outfielder with my ability to run. And I I'm one of the few guys I think actually doesn't care. I think some guys have like more guys than say have preferences, but I don't really, I just want to, I like hitting, I like to hit and I'll be, I'll play defense as hard as I can everywhere, but I, I just want to be in the lineup and try to win games. So I'll play wherever. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. There are a lot of guys who say that, Oh, I don't care. And it's, they, they, they care. They care. Yeah, they care. A lot of guys, a lot of guys care. I mean, and, and for good reason, like guys that I think are view themselves as like, like, no, I want to play this position because I'm a great defender there. I'm like, that's right on, dude. Like if that's, if that makes you good at your position, do your thing. I kind of feel that way. Just defense total. Like I want to say that I can be good at defense wherever you put me. And that way too, it's easier to get on the field. Like I think outside of catcher, shortstop center field, it's like, if you can be elite at one of those three, I think pursue that because that's where you can make massive differences defensively. And obviously there's other guys at every position that have done it. But I think outside of that, there can be like, there's real value in being able to be good at other positions and kind of flip around and provide value in that way to let the manager play some, some matchups and do things that way that will help a lot of guys progress their careers. Have you ever been to Milwaukee before? I haven't. No, no, I, uh, I'm excited. I, I, a lot of people, it's funny. A lot of people that I didn't know had ever been there have reached out and said, I mean, I've heard only good things about it. A lot of people love that city. So I'm definitely excited to, for when that opportunity comes to check it out, but I've never pretty much that whole year. I've never really been to Illinois was like any parts of Wisconsin. I haven't, it's a part of the country. I haven't gotten the opportunity to see yet. It's one of the most underrated cities in America. I that's, I'm hearing that a lot. I lived in Kenosha. For a little bit when I was in college, 
uh, before transferring to Valparaiso University. I was at Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, not too far from Milwaukee, in between Milwaukee okay. and Chicago. And I know I'll get some some hate mail for this. I'm a Milwaukee over Chicago guy, personally. Wow. Milwaukee is a great city. Uh, it's easier. Part of its personality. Like, I just don't yep. like to deal with Chicago traffic and parking and the prices. Such a major city. Yeah. And then you've got Milwaukee where it's like, hey, it's a little smaller. Stuff is significantly cheaper. Uh, people, I think, are friendlier. And the food's better. Like, I mean, they're both great food towns. Chicago is a great, great food town. Yeah. But Milwaukee's a little cheaper. Or, um, and Milwaukee's got great brats, uh, cheese curds, yeah. cheese in general, burgers, all that kind of stuff. Beer. I don't drink beer, but people love beer. That's a good place for beer. So yeah. I'm a big fan of Milwaukee. It's easier to get around. You can park. It's you'll. I think you'll love it. I'm, you know, I can't wait to see it. I, it's similar to what you're saying. A lot of people have been like, Hey man, you know, it's, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's an awesome city. It's, and you know that what you just described kind of feels like my scene. I'm not a big, like, I like cities that are not quite as fast paced and have heavy preferences on food. So (laughs) I, I'm excited to get to experience that when I can. And then I'm excited that that's, I've always thought that stadium is so cool just with like the, the roof that moves in weird ways. And like that, I've like watching home runs, the center field, like hit the wall and bounce back. I always thought was super cool. So I'm looking forward to it. I I'm excited about the city for sure. And the organization. And don't forget the sausage race. That's right. I know it's funny. My, uh, <laughs> my wife sends me like she, whenever she sees a TikTok cause now the show, like, you know, she wants to look up Milwaukee and she looks up on TikTok and she sent me a few of the, the sausage race highlights and stuff, which are hilarious. And of course, I mean, you, were you old enough to remember the Randall Simon sausage race moment? No, I don't think Randall so. Simon was a first baseman on the pirates and he swung a bat at one of the sausages while they were running. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> bold. That's a bold idea. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was classic. It was it was it was it was lighthearted. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good someone. I might maybe I'll put that on my TikTok. That'll be grow my TikTok because people will see it and be like, oh my gosh, never saw this before. <laughs> yeah, good interaction post. Okay, so some of your interests off the field. You're a big UFC guy. Huge, yeah. How'd you, how'd you get into that? You know, I just, watching watching it with my dad growing up, my dad loves boxing and UFC, and it's, you know, I think UFC does an awesome job of making the events really fun. So I was always a big fan. I watched a lot through college and stuff, but I went to, I went to a fight in Madison Square Garden in, was it 2021? Yeah, 2021 winter at Madison Square Garden, and it was insane. Like in terms of in-person sporting event atmospheres, it's as crazy as I've ever been to. Like, I mean, Madison Square Garden is also Madison Square Garden. Like that played up in it too, but it was insane all night, four straight hours. It was like the craziest event I'd ever been to. And I remember the fight of the year was that night between Gaethje and Chandler. So just happened to see some crazy fights too, but that was what really hooked me. And since then it's been, I mean, that's what I watched the most of by far, like 
YouTube breakdowns, fight replays. Like I, it's just something I really enjoy watching. I've always said like, I'm going to get into it and I really need to. It's just, it's so hard with having so many sports to try to track and follow and working in this field, as you know, how it is. Like sometimes you want to unplug a little bit from sports, but like, it's something that whenever I'm at a bar and it's on, I love it. It's great. I need to, I really need to get more into following ultimate fighting. I think it's a super fun, it's super fun to follow too. I mean, then you see like guys careers and, like if, when you get really into it and understand like, oh, this matchup would be fun if he fought this guy and you kind of see those all come together. Like you said, when your job is covering sports, I'm sure adding another one is tough. But <laughs> in, in my scenario, which just you know, I worry about baseball and then like, I'm a big sports fan. I love football too. But when there's UFC on, it's like, that's, that's my thing. That's kind of like a good escape for me. I know I love in season, the Saturday night fights that like, it's, I, I love with my teammates, you know, post game, we'll miss some of the early card stuff because of our game, but that post, like inviting everybody over to a hotel room and streaming it onto one of the TVs and all kind of getting into it. It's one of my, I, I love that camaraderie it kind of creates and just kind of just like the environment of watching the fights is just a little different. Like it's just high energy and like everyone, Oh, like crazy reactions, which is fun. That's sweet. So you're a football fan. Who's winning on Sunday? I should say, by the way, this episode is going to come out after. Like, this will probably come out right before the Super Bowl. But by the time that this episode's out, your picks will be history. So choose wisely. So I'm... And it's conference championship weekend, by the way, at the time that we're we're going into that. That's that's where we're at when we're recording this to the listeners who don't know. Yes, so... For any Milwaukee fans that listen to this, I am a huge 49ers fan. I did love the Packers, but that was a game they had. I, that game made me so nervous that the Packers were freaking, they're coming together, man. Jordan Love's incredible. I was glad we got through it. Fun game to watch. Um, you know, I think it's so hard to choose anybody but Mahomes. I think just the way they've done it recently in the playoffs. But I think. I would love to see 49ers Ravens. That's, that's who I think on paper should do it. I think talent wise, they're pretty clearly the best two teams in the NFL. And I would love to see the matchup again because the Ravens absolutely blasted the 49ers last time they played. So I'm hoping for a little chance at redemption there. Cause that was a, that was a tough game, but I, if, if I had to pick, it's those two, but I think they're both going to be really good games. I think the lions are incredible and they're playing good at the right time. I think the Chiefs just know how to win in the playoffs. So I'm excited. It's going to be a fun weekend of football, but I'm fingers crossed for the 49ers for sure. Do you really think that the Chiefs would get this far and the NFL would not allow Taylor Swift to be at the Super Bowl? <laughs> I It's funny, man. I We watch like everything good that happens for the chiefs, like straight to Taylor Swift in the booth. Like it's funny. I mean, I'm sure it's bringing a different viewing group to the NFL, which is probably cool, but I, I'm sure she'll be there. And I'm sure that I think it would be hilarious if she was performing the halftime show and they were there. Like, I think that would be a funny thing. I know it's not happening, <laughs> but I thought I right when they started dating, I'm like, wow, how crazy would that be? If like she performs it and he's playing in it, but I'm sure she'll be there and I'm sure it'll be getting covered. <laughs> 
That's what I'm saying. I don't think the NFL's passing up on the opportunity of getting the Chiefs in the Super Bowl right now. So there may be some calls this weekend <laughs> not too unsimilar or not too different, I should say, from last year's AFC Championship calls yeah. when the Chiefs were playing the Bengals. That's yeah, all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, there's some, you know, there's some interesting ones with Pat, Patrick Mahomes at times, but you know, that's how it goes. That's well, I'll be happy though. Cause I'm a Steelers fan. So I just want to see Baltimore lose. That's really all I can. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Steelers. They're, they're good, man. I think, I think they're, I didn't watch them a ton this year, but they, mm, I think you might have a different I, opinion then if you did. I, yeah, I'm sure you're a lot more into it, but I thought, I mean, I thought they played their defense was good. I don't, Defense is great. Yeah, defense is really good. I thought offensively, I don't know what they're going to do. I think it's – I don't know enough about football to really get into the X and the X's and O's of why it doesn't. I, you know, you read the columns and people theorize why it doesn't work. But I, they definitely have some work to do that way. But I think they could be really good. I know TJ Watt's insane. So they're a fun yeah. team to watch that way. Defense is great. I feel like we're going to be 15 years from now – We'll be talking about your, you know, you'll be an MLB veteran. We'll be talking around so. the end of your career. Um, but we'll also be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they finish 10 and 7 every single year. And <laughs> still their coach. <laughs> it is that interesting level of like good enough to continue doing what you're doing, but also like <laughs> haven't taken that step in a while. It's interesting. I know I, when I was young, so like I said, when I lived in Pennsylvania, I actually was a huge Steelers fan back when they had Jerome Bettis and Troy Polamalu, Heinz Ward, yeah, all those guys. Like, I love, awesome. I love those teams. I haven't followed them much since I left, but those were, I mean, Jerome Bettis when I was a kid was my favorite player ever to watch. Just downhill, hard nosed running back. That was, I mean, he's kind of agile to be a big dude. I loved those teams. Yeah, I loved when we would play the Ravens in that era of football. That era of football, those two teams would just kill each other. Insane. And the Ravens, it's like for me, I have so much fun rooting against them. Like it's like <laughs> a it's not like and I detest them. I hate them, but it's not like yeah. a oh my gosh, I hate any of them as people kind of thing. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. maybe you get that, maybe some people get that with some teams or some players. I mean, that's a yeah. whole other thing. But it's just like, man, nothing would make me happier than to see the Ravens fail. Like that kind of yeah. feeling. And I don't feel that towards any other team in sports. Like it's just that rivalry. That's how it is. And it's fun. So like whenever those two teams play each other, it's fun. It's like Michigan, Ohio State. It's for sure. It's awesome. That That's what makes, I mean, I think that's what makes sports so fun. It's like fans love their team, but hate that one almost as much as they love their own team. And it just creates crazy like those playoff games are crazy. I think that's what it's like being a diehard fans all about. You got to have the team you love. And then the one team that you just cannot stand. Yeah, exactly. Like the one team, the one team, exactly it. Now I'm curious, baseball wise, who are you a fan of growing up and has your fandom diminished a little bit now that you're a professional baseball player? Definitely is diminished a little in the sense that, you know, like you're play, you want to be there. So it's hard to kind of like be a huge fan of like following different teams. I, I was always like, I was never a huge fan of teams though. Cause I moved to Utah so young where we don't have any team to really pull for. Like I would have pulled for the hometown team. Like I'm a jazz fan in the NBA, 
but I was always a huge fan of players. Like I was saying early, I, I love those Phillies teams with the Utley and the Rawlings, the Ryan Howards. Like I loved watching those teams. I pulled for them really hard. I think I actually spent, I lived in Denver for a little bit too in the Matt Holiday, Tulowitzki era. So I loved that team at the time, was huge fans of those guys. I think, you know, traditionally I was more of a fan of players just because without that one true team to really root for, I kind of like attached myself to players. Like I said, the biggest one for me was Pedroia. Like I, I never was a huge Red Sox fan necessarily, but I always wanted them to win because he was playing. And it, it kind of bounced all over, mainly based off of players. Like, you know, even shout out the Brewers a little bit. I loved, I saw you actually got inducted into their walk of fame today. I loved watching Ryan Braun. I like for whatever that era, I loved watching him and those teams play really well. So I was definitely more of a fan of players versus teams growing up, but you know, I had some teams I attached to. I liked the Rockies a lot when I played there or when I lived there. Yeah. It's, for me, the fandom thing is totally gone. Like I just don't have allegiance to any team anymore. Yeah. Like, I was a diehard Cubs fan. Diehard. Yeah. They won the world series my senior year of college before I came into this field. I cried my eyes out and oh, I felt like I graduated awesome. from fandom. It was like, I, I nothing was ever going to top that. Like I got to experience that. And now it's like, I'm, at spring training camps, I'm interviewing these managers or yeah. players. And it's just like, it would feel weird to me to be like, oh my gosh, I'm such a fan of this person or what. like, yeah. it's just, it's not like that for me anymore. So for me, it's just like, I root for the guys, the individuals. I root for the totally. people that I know, the guys I'm close with, the guys I'm friends with, or the, even honestly, like if I meet a, if I meet a guy like a manager and I just talk to him for 10 minutes or whatever it is, and I'm like, man, that like last year it was it was Terry Francona. I met him one time. Great training. Dude. And I found my every time I was watching Cleveland play, it's like, actually, I, I kind of want Cleveland to win this game. I want I want Francona yeah. to win. I, that's just how it goes. Yeah, he I'm I mean, yeah, very similar situation. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of any team necessarily, but you have your buddies you play with. Like, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a Yankee fan, but being like my draft class and those guys, like they have a lot of success. Like some of my good buddies play for the Yankees. So, you know, while I might not be a Yankee fan, like I really pull for their success. And that would mean, you know, pulling for the Yankees to win. Like Terry's, Terry's a great guy. Kind of funny. My, my college coach and Terry are best friends. So oh, I met no him way. for the first time. Yeah. Like a month ago, right after I'd gotten traded to the Brewers and he was a great dude. That was a cool, like, you know, always watch him managing World Series and stuff and then get to meet him and realize, yeah, he's just a guy. Like, he was a cool guy. He was awesome to meet, cool stories. And that was a cool experience. But like, yeah, like you said, once you get to kind of know guys, it's hard to really like, you pull for the guys you like regardless of where they are. And that kind of makes being like a diehard fan harder, I think. Yeah, but it's just like, you're not starstruck by anybody. Like, exactly. The thing wears off. And I honestly exactly. think that, I wish that everybody have more encounters with people that they might quote unquote be starstruck by because sure. then I don't think people would really be all that impressed with celebrities anymore. If they got to encounter them more often, they'd be, Oh, they're just normal people. It's I agree. Totally. It did. I mean, like regardless of the platform, like it platforms make people seem like a bigger deal than they are. Not to say like, you know, people are like are big deals, I guess like guys that are playing, but yeah. it, they're just, they're literally normal people. Like that's the thing is like, they make the same mistakes everybody else does. They get enjoyment out of most of the same things everybody else does. Like 
they're just your normal dudes. If you meet them away from whatever they do really well, regardless of what it is, actors, athletes, like TV personalities, away from what they do, they're just normal people. And I, I agree. I think if they people were to meet more of them, it would kind of you'd realize like it's just somebody who happens to be really good at something that gets public attention. Like it's, and I think then too it would be a little easier for people to understand like when athletes or people kind of misstep and do some stuff, it's like, dude, they're just people, man. Like they make the same mistakes everybody else does. It's just when they do it, everybody hears about it. So going off that, has there been one player that maybe early on first spring training or something like that, that you met or you encountered and you were just like, Oh my gosh, that's that guy. I think the first experience I had with that was the year I got drafted, Aaron judge was rehabbing and like he walked in just this like larger than life. I mean, part of it too, is that he's massive. So it kind of just like <laughs> the energy about it is just a little different because he is huge, but that will, that one was probably the first where I was like, Whoa, like we're in the same locker room. That's like, that's the MVP. That's kind of crazy. And, and then he comes up and says, hi. And you're like, Oh, normal dude like <laughs> great guy he's aaron aaron's an awesome i don't know him personally but just like the way he interacted yeah. with minor league guys and stuff when he was on count he was a great dude like totally stand-up guy so that was i mean i think that was probably my first experience with the like total superstar but just like a normal guy nice guy that is really good at hitting a baseball and playing right field <laughs> no kidding yeah the one guy for me that i felt somewhat starstruck by was Ichiro. Yeah. I met Ichiro last year at Mariners camp. And I think this is my theory is like, I wouldn't be, cause I met Mike Trout. I wasn't phased by Mike Trout, but I was a little, I, and I wasn't, I shouldn't say I was phased by Ichiro, but I was just like, he's working, he's hitting the cages right now. I got to go watch him. And I yeah. shook his hand and I'm like, this is so cool. My theory is, if there was someone that you were a fan of as a kid that you cross paths with as an adult, there's still a little bit of that inside for different sure. from someone that you might be a fan of now as an adult and you meet that person. Oh yeah. There's normal guy. They're around my age yep. or maybe even if they're a little older, that's my theory. Totally. I agree. I think, I think part of that for me, like different eras, I think yeah, I, you know, I've, I've heard that, he's really good friends with the manager of the brewers because he, that he was his college coach and I've heard he comes around a little bit. So I'm hoping he does. Mm -hmm. I think that could be a situation for me where it's like, you know, I <laughs> had posters of that guy on my wall and read his book and stuff. I think that's one where I would kind of feel the same way where it's like, Whoa, like that's, you know, I've watched every highlight video of his on YouTube. Like that's, and now he's right yeah. there. I hope I get that chance to talk to him. I, that would be cool. And I think I, I agree. I think when it's someone you're a huge fan of as like a kid, a Justin little bit. Pedroia. Yeah, a little bit of that's going to be there. And for me, I think that's probably who it would be for me. Ichiro or Pedroia? Pedroia. Ichiro, yeah, too. Pedroia. He's in, he's incredible, yeah. but just you know, Pedroia was one of those guys I just yeah. tried to relate to. Yeah, Ichiro, for me, it was Ichiro, Pujols, and Derek Lee. Those were like my my guys growing up. Yeah, so. studs, All man. right, a couple more things. I know we're going to run here shortly, but uh, Oliver Dunn. I have to think you're an Irishman. <laughs> yeah, technically. I and not not <laughs> any not anything recent, but that's definitely where you know the the 
21 and me or whatever, like that's where it says a lot of the heritage comes from. And, you know, I, you can probably tell, I don't know if people that watch this can, but I'm redheaded too. So it kind of makes it <laughs> even more of like, Oh, you've got to be Irish. It's, it's true. Yeah. But not super heavy. Like it's been a long time since I had family from there. Are you a fan of the departed? Love it. The movie. Yes. Yeah. It's in- incredible. One of the, I love those movies. The, what's the, what's the other one with they? they ended up robbing Fenway park at the end of the movie. Oh, the town, the town. I love that one too. Oh my that, gosh. That's one of my favorites. Who's car we going to take? Uh, uh-huh, yeah. The, the scene where <laughs> Ben Affleck's like, I need you. We, well, we might hurt somebody. Da, 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 da. And he's like, I'm in. It's I, that's how we going to take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy what what are your what are some of favorites so movies on tv mm-hmm. you're just scrolling through cable it's a favorite of yours okay i gotta put this on i'm gonna jump in for a little bit or a movie that you've just seen so many times you never get sick of i think i imagine those two movies we just named are probably in that category huge i was especially I, I i never skip over the town when i'm scrolling if the town's on i'm turning it on i think that you know, I'm now that I'm thinking about this, I'm a bigger Ben Affleck fan than I realized. I love the movie, The Accountant. That's one I won't skip either. If it's on, I'm watching that one. I love the James Bond movies, but specifically the Skyfall one. That's one of my favorite movies yeah, ever. That's I'll watch one, that. Yeah. I'll watch that every time. Um, I mean, obviously I have kind of a movie type of the ones I don't skip over. I love the kind of like action, bank robbing, spy movies, but I try to think of one not in that genre that I love, you know, the rom-com, like a hitch. I love that movie. Like that oh, one's yeah, on that TV one a lot. On yeah. 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 That one's on, that one's on TV a lot. So I find myself clicking on that one a lot. It's kind of weird. Cause I feel like, I don't know how these things work. Cause you can like Google, where do I watch this movie? If you want, if there's a movie you want to watch and sometimes they will be like, it's on TNT. And so I think that these networks will have, they'll buy the rights for an exclusive amount of time. And then the movie could go to Netflix or some other streaming platform. Mm. And within that amount of time, they're just going to keep running it over and over and over again. So I think that's why. And recently hitch has been in that cycle and I'm not Mm -hmm. complaining. I've jumped in at least twice. Oh yeah. Me too. That's one where I got, I feel like the town was in that cycle at one point. I actually think the first time I ever watched the town might've just been accidentally on TV. And then loved it and then watched it a bunch of times since. So I think you're right. Cause once you see one that's on TV, I feel like you see it every couple of weeks. They're rerunning it on there. Yeah. And it's been a while since I've seen the town running a lot on TV, but <laughs> yeah, it had a run. Too. It had the other one, for one, a while. That, one that I remember just watching every single time. And this was probably like 10 years ago was the other guys. That one oh. was <laughs> <laughs> all, all, absolute all time movie it's so good it's like one of those movies where each time you watch it you pick up you pick up on something that's really subtle and really funny that you totally like notice the last time like when he's sliding across the table and he just keeps shooting guys and he just keeps sliding (laughs) so funny i remember the first time i watched that i was watching it with my cousins in that scene but like you think of what i'm thinking partner aim for the bushes and they jump (laughs) And, and you see him falling and you're like, okay, when are the bushes coming? And it's, it's like, what? Like, that's how the movie starts is your two biggest stars just gone right off the bat. Yeah. All uh, time. I, 
I love that movie. Oliver, we got to wrap things up. So is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or mention uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about to this point? No, I, I mean, I think we hit it all. I like, like we were talking before it flew by. I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I am, I'm a, a very appreciative of the opportunity to kind of get on and just talk about some stuff and enjoy it and, you know, kind of create a relationship. So I appreciate you having me on. Sure thing, Oliver. You're welcome back anytime. Hopefully a year from now, we'll be talking about that first year in the big leagues. All right, before we go, I want to give you a chance to plug or promote anything you got. Uh, you want people to follow you on Instagram? I know you're not on Twitter anymore. so Not on Twitter. That would be awesome. Yeah, I got an Instagram. It's Oliver underscore done with three N's and a three. Follow me. I'm not super active. I'm trying to get better. Like I said, like this is I'm trying to get better at the social media thing, kind of getting out there, showing my personality. It's tough. It's like a little out of my comfort zone, but <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm trying to get more relatable and stuff. So they shoot me a follow. I'm hoping to start posting more. We'll Have see. the wife manage the account. I feel like she that's, would probably come up with some good ideas. That's a good idea. Yeah, and she just won't be, I get nervous sometimes, but like, I don't know why, but I'm like, uh, I get like hesitant about posting stuff. So I don't think she'll get that way. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe I just hand it over to her. Like, just run this for me, please. <laughs> well, Oliver, thank you so much for your time today, man. Uh, I'm sure that our audience will be pulling for you this year. You're welcome back anytime, man. Right on. Thank you. Looking forward to the next time. All right, y'all. That concludes our conversation today with Oliver Dunn. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll be back again soon with more content, more interviews. Uh, we will be... I'll announce who we've got coming up next uh in the pipeline when we get closer to it because as we mentioned this episode's probably being taped about two weeks before it's being released so not entirely sure what the next episode will be but make sure you guys subscribe to this show if you guys like it uh leave a comment let me know that you're listening uh let me know what you think of our conversation will you be pulling for oliver this season um did you get a chance to go out to the fall league have you been to the Fall League? Would you like to go to the Fall League? Leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to this show on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you are getting your podcasts. All right. So I imagine that by the time you're listening to this, it's February now, which means that I'm out at spring training and we will have MLB preview episodes being released soon i intend to have a preview of each division with a different guest joining me for each episode to preview each division and uh, take a look at each team's outlook on the season that's what i intend to do and also for our reality tv fans you guys can if you're watching the traders on peacock if you aren't i highly recommend it you should 100 be watching the traders if you are We've got a weekly podcast in this feed. Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick from season one. She's also a three-time three Survivor contestant. She uh, will be joining me every single week over the next two months as we uh, recap the traders. So be on the lookout for that. And until our next episode, Object Vita, bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>